Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I have with me Jonathan Landry Cruz. Jonathan is the pastor of Community Presbyterian Church and OPC Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, Jonathan, it's great to have you here. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, We always know that people are going to get to know you well as we start talking. So I'm just going to kind of jump right in with a topic and a question. I was able to have dinner with you and your wife several years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. And I remember one or two things from that conversation. And and one that stuck out with me is that you mentioned at your church there in Kalamazoo that there is a little bit of a higher uh, quantity of younger people in the church. I wasn't sure at the time whether that was, you know, college age or more young families, but it was an interesting dynamic that stood out to me. I think, you know, people can tend to think that the Reformed faith and Reformed worship today is for that older generation. And you mentioned that in your church, obviously, you have ages that span the whole breadth of life, but a, a higher a population of younger folks. How did that come about? And what has your experience been in terms of them coming to a Reformed church with particular things about Reformed worship? Uh, are they coming from Christian backgrounds and becoming Reformed? Are they coming from the world and straight into Reformed Christianity? Just what what have you seen with that dynamic of the younger generation coming into your church? Yeah, great question. Um, when we first got to community, it was it was kind of a, in need of revitalization, and uh, the the demographics definitely skewed older. We were, I was, yeah, I was the youngest adult member of the church when I got I got there as the pastor, and. Um, Shortly after, yeah, we start seeing young people come, and and I wish I could say there was some um, great formula I had for that, but I think the reality is, and and people kind of recognize this intuitively, pastors reflect their churches, and so you know we had a guy who had retired four years previous before they were vacant, you know, and he was he was elderly and um, he was also single, and the church had um, a number of single older people, and it was <laughs> it's just kind of that's that's how it goes, and so. Yeah, once we got there, we, we started seeing that the newest people coming to the church were in our, our demographic, our age demographic, young 20s. Yeah, not not so much college, but more just recently graduated, you know, kind of starting out in life on their own. Um, most without kids. Uh, we didn't even have kids at that point. We got pregnant um, a year after we were there or something like that. Uh, so it was just a, a few families or a few people and, and couples that, that looked like us in our demographic. And that just kept happening. The more of them, then the more <laughs> they just kept kind of propagating. And and um, now we have a lot of young young couples with kids. You know, these, these people that joined five years ago, now they have one kid or they're pregnant with their second or third and still kind of looks like us. So that's just, that's just the way it works. Um, we didn't do anything special. But I think what I what I learned from that is that, you know, that's going to that's an inevitability that's going to happen. And you should, you know, pastors should probably lean into that as a strength, not a weakness. There's there's, you know, 
we maybe need to focus on more. How can we bring in some you know o- older folks? And th- that's good. We we should think about that. Whereas older pastors should think, how should we get younger people? But don't don't um, neglect the fact that here's just kind of this um, this tool that you you have that people who are like you in your stage of life will be will be drawn to you, will be attracted to you. So kind of lean into that. And and that's what we did. We before we had a youth group or a kids program, the first thing we did was young adults. That was the first thing we and we um, would have hangouts at at our house uh, probably quarterly. Um, if not, maybe a little bit more often and people would bring their friends or they'd bring their girlfriend or their boyfriend. And they're in the five years later, they're in the church now. And it was those come over to the cruises, hang out, let's play games. Um, that was the kind of thing that really established that. And now we don't do those as often. We still do them when we can because all those people now have kids <laughs> and now we're focusing on, you know, um, children activities and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we weren't really just, we weren't trying to do something special. We weren't trying to come up with something that we didn't have. We were just leaning into uh, where God had placed us and where we were in our stage of life and making the most of that. And I think ministers should do that throughout their entire ministry. Um, that will change and the ch- church will maybe change a little bit here and there, but it's it's kind of like an automatic strength. So why not work with it? Yeah. So in, t- in, t- in thinking about uh, kind of where those people came from, I mean, you might not even remember yeah. where they've all kind of come from. I'm thinking in particular about the discussion we're all familiar with that, you know, that that sort of generation is either, if they're coming into church, they're either going to go kind of big box evangelical church for, for various reasons. Yeah. Or if they're, if they're interested in something more traditional, deeper, they're going to go like to Rome or, you know, s- some sort of place like that. And And we've got this middle segment of simple, straightforward, word-based reform worship. What have you seen in terms of the dynamic? If peop- if some of them have come from kind of the world and if some of them have come from other Christian um, backgrounds, what's that dynamic been like to shape the, the culture into what reformed worship is in our day and age with that generation of, of people? Yeah, so the everybody's story was a little different. Most were Christian, certainly, and probably, and most were, had some familiarity with the Reformed world. We had had a few um, young people coming from Big Eva, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, usually because they were friends with somebody who was coming to our church, or perhaps engaged, going to be married to somebody who was coming to our church and maybe they felt like they didn't have as much of a say, but it's still an opportunity for discipleship and, and kind of, and formation. Um, and then we, we have had, you know, at least two come to mind who were newly converted, uh, or, or kind of, you know, they might not have acknowledged it, but, you know, not converted. Um, but Christianity in general was new, but getting, you know, I'm still thinking of the young people right, right now. Um, Getting them all together is just awesome, right? Where they realize um, people that they like, that they have an affinity for, that share the same interests, hobbies, stage of life, are are finding something here at community, and that in and of itself kind of attracts them. So, <laughs> the hard thing, Brad, is is getting the first one, probably, you know, <laughs> because that's that's the issue we have, kind of when you think about these kind of non denominational kind of big production churches. That is where all the young people are. But once you can say, no, we have them here, more will come. 
getting the first one's the difficult one. You know, I still think of my, my buddy, Nate, who's now he's our Sunday school um, superintendent and he's about my age. And he, he came out of the Protestant reform background. So it was kind of like hyper Calvinism, um, ultra, ultra reformed. And we probably were almost something like big Eva to mm-hmm. him, you know, <laughs> when he, when he, he dared try it out. But um, he was just drawn by the, the grace and the gospel because that wasn't something he experienced growing up. He had moved to town to take a job as a teacher and he visited the the local uh, church. And it's just, it's, and uh, not something that, that is as palpable. I'm not saying it's not there, but it's just not as palpable. And so then he, he tried our church. I don't know how he found us. And that's, that's what he, he hooked in right away. It was, I feel, I feel um, not burdened. I feel uplifted here. I feel you know encouraged. And he started coming, bringing friends. Um, so once that starts, it's kind of a snowball effect, but we do definitely now have a, a an eclectic demographic in terms of ecclesiastical backgrounds, which is really neat. It's some folks who came from the Seventh Day Adventist situation, um, so it's like everybody has a bit of a different experience background. Um, but then they come together and they're hanging out, and you know, and, and especially worshiping on Sunday, and all that kind of fades away, and and you see the unity of the gospel. It's beautiful. Have people taken and 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 we can even broaden the, the topic, you know, from not just the younger crowd, though though we're still kind of thinking about them, but the, the whole dynamic, have people over the years, how long have you been there? I don't remember how long you've, how long have you been at Community? Well, I'm at, we're, um, yeah, we're in our sixth year. Okay. So over that period of time, yeah, have people, because of some of those backgrounds and stories, magnetically taken to kind of reformed worship and, and sort of hit the ground running and loved it? Have you had a dynamic where you really had to, you know, kind of shepherd new people through what you were doing and why you were doing it as compared to other options? Uh, what was that dynamic like over the last, you know, five, six years? Um, a few that that are familiar with it hit the ground running. Um, no problems there. But um, others that certain aspects of it are harder to swallow. And it would be different for everybody. And this is this is nothing unique to our situation. But you know, a family comes; they love the preaching, but you know, the the music or the singing isn't quite what the, what they're used to. Or um, we're we've got a situation right now. Another young, it is another young family. They just had their first child, and they're coming out of mainline. I mean, born and bred mainline PCUSA. And it's a really fascinating situation because the reason they found our church, they had they become disenchanted with the PCUSA and kind of where's where's Christ and all like we come to church where's the word you're you know, um, and so they start visiting uh, non denominational churches and yet then they lose kind of this this um, word centeredness that they they were looking for in the PCOSA church. It was now it's not so much the LGBTQ agenda, but it's the entertainment vibe. And so they found our church and it's like, this is what they wanted, right? We're singing hymns, we're reading the Bible, we're preaching the Bible. But at the same time, (laughs) even though that was a sensitive subject, um, at least their conscience was sensitive to that. There's a whole host of other things that come along with liberal theology that they're really having a hard time now even though what they want is somebody preaching the word. So we're doing that. And yet they're like, but wait, you do believe this and this and that also? And it's like, yes. Yeah, so there's, there's a huge um, opportunity for, for shepherding. And so, you know, we've been uh, hanging out with them and they're going to be taking the, 
Lord willing, the new membership class that we're offering the next uh, this month in December. But every week, I, I'll you know I get up in the pulpit and I look out to see if they're still there because I just wonder how much more. And they but they're coming, they're excited, and yet it's like the the, the husband will say to me, "It's like I just I don't know where I belong because the PCUSA." It's not preaching the gospel. You're preaching the gospel, but you're saying these things that I've been told are wrong too, you know? Um, So, yeah. So yes, shepherding, discipling would be maybe a a, a better word in this kind of context where you're taking somebody alongside of you and you're saying, let's work through this um, together. And it's been, I think Carrie Ann and I have found it's been easier to do that with people in our demographic who maybe don't feel like there's some younger people talking down to them. It's it, it, it's difficult to be a young pastor, right? To pastor older people. It can be, I should say, it can be difficult. But these younger couples, you know, they're willing to hear us out. Um, they, they see somebody who's also in their stage of life and they kind of, they I guess that gives them a sense of trust, right? And so I think just doing life with these people, uh, we can talk more about that perhaps, but, but yeah, just kind of getting in it with them, um, not just Sunday preaching, although that's the primary means of discipleship, but not just that, but doing life with them has been um, the main way in which we, we have discipled people through some of the roadblocks or the, the uh, bumps in the road, road, I should say, to reform worship, reform practice. And it's it's gone, I think, tremendously well by the Lord's grace. So you've brought it up and while, while it's fresh on your mind, let's, let's talk about that. You said we could expand on kind of doing life and, and outside of Sunday kind of discipling and living life. Yeah. What are you thinking? Obviously it jogs something in your mind. What are you thinking when you, when you bring that up? Yeah. Well, yeah I, was, I mean, this is something that, you know, we're still working on. We being my family and, and um, striving to grow in ourselves. But um, I think we have found that the, the best, um, influence that we can have on people or, or the most effective influence we, we have on people isn't so much the um, take this class with me <laughs> or, you know, sit down, listen to me, teach you on this thing. It's just, let's spend time together. Let's, uh, why don't you come over to the house and hang out with us? And these things then kind of come up naturally. So I mentioned, you know, doing like doing the young adult hangout. Those weren't, there weren't even like Bible studies worked into those. It was just times for us literally just to hang out. Um, we make it a, a point to have people over in our home for, for dinners often. And I think, yeah, that again, while it's fresh in my mind, well, we, we could talk about that, you know, the hospitality aspect, the people who have kind of uh, visited the church and then got hooked in, plugged in are the, are um, the ones who we had in our home right away. I mean, that's what we try to do. Anytime there's a visitor, is let's get them on the calendar. Let's have, but that just establishes a connection. That's, that's, that's really hard to, to, to sever. It seems that, you know, even if somebody moves to town, they're going to visit a couple churches, but we had them over to our home and that stuck with them. And so they keep coming back, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but in terms of discipleship, just yeah, just doing our life in front of people and, and inviting them to come alongside. As I mentioned, we're growing that ourselves because Carrie Ann and I are both introverted. So it's not like our natural bent is just, hey, everybody over all the time, open door policy. But we are convicted or convinced that this this works. This really has, you know, this has transformative potential when when people feel like they're part of the family, even, you know, that like they're they, their pastor has that kind of vested interest in them. They come, they bring their questions, and 
yeah, so so I would say we put a, a high premium on on getting people into our homes, um, having them over just to hang out for a meal. Or the other thing I I try to make a an aim to do is the opposite of that, Brad, which is to do life with my congregants. And so, especially with I'm thinking of the young men, especially or the men of the church, to take an interest in what they're interested in. So I have gone fishing. I hate fishing, but I've done it because I knew that you know, they asked me. Yes, I will do. Same thing with hunting. Um, and uh, just a couple months ago, paintball. You know, I didn't think I would ever play paintball after I graduated high school. But there I was um, with a bunch of guys at the church because somebody asked, hey, wouldn't that be cool if we did that? And they you know, brought it up to me. And my initial reaction is like, no, there's no way. I don't want to do this. But that investing time in them or investing in the things that interest them that's so valuable. Um, I would want somebody to do that for me, right? To show that they care, not just by listening in a conversation. Oh yeah, that's great. Tell me more, but actually saying, let me get in with, you know, let me do it with you. Uh, take me along with you. So, um, I think those things are super important for uh, building the kind of relationships that can weather some of those bumps we talked about in terms of coming into a newer context of, of church. So that paints a little bit of a picture in my mind. You mentioned that you and Carrie Ann are introverts, but Yet you're very, it sounds like you're very intentional about how you do these things. But I could also see that it's painting a picture. You know, Reformed pastors are very busy. They have their own families. They sometimes are doing two sermons, a Sunday school, a prayer meeting, you know, these types of things that Reformed churches highly prize rightly. It could get fairly busy on the schedule, you know, being asked to go here or there, having people over a couple times, especially for, for introverts. How, how do you work that out uh, as an introvert? And what, like, if you were talking to another pastor a little bit younger than you or just taking his first call who said, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. How do, I, how do I balance that I need X amount of hours for sermon prep and I need, you know, X amount of hours for this and that, but yet build in these great things? Like, have, is, is that something you have to kind of work out with Carrie Ann a little bit? Is that something that you're just naturally in, uh, intentional about? How do you... How do you how do you work that dynamic out? It's such an interesting question because just this day, uh, today, this morning, I mean, um, a a new pastor was asking me the very question. He said, "You know, how would you talk to a younger pastor?" <laughs> uh, a guy, a friend of mine from seminary, uh, got his first call um, out in Washington State, and he was he was working. He, we graduated together, but then he worked in another area for a couple of years. But now he took his call, so he's saying, "What's your schedule like? Tell what what days do you take off? When do you do sermon prep?" And how do you do that with the family and the kids and everything? And I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I told him. I said, um, I said, don't ask me. <laughs> I, I feel like my my schedule has recently gotten kind of um, really, um, it's it's up in the air. I used to be a little bit more organized, but I'm, I'm actually in the process of um, pursuing my, my doctorate of ministry through RTS right now. And so I'm in my second year of that. So when I started that, that's kind of went th- threw things off the, my, my nice rhythm I had because I've been having to find more time to, to do that. But in general, I'll, tr- I'll try to give you the things we strive for. <laughs> um, in general, we have, we have a family or several families together over once a week. Um, that's, it's not hard to one night, you know, to, to pick one night a week where, where you do, it doesn't happen every week either, you know, so I'm not saying make it a hard and fast rule. I know families that do, and I'm impressed by that pastoral families. I mean, that, that, um, every Thursday night they have somebody over kind of thing, but, um, 
you know, maybe there's three three other evenings that are taken up with church meetings or, or visitation, or whatever. But then one night, it's let's just try to have people over just for a, a relaxed conversation kind of thing. The hanging out with people in terms of, you know, um, doing life with them, um, going shooting or, or fishing, whatever it is, that would usually be a, a Saturday kind of thing. And those are, those are, that's not a weekly occurrence by any means, but, you know, a few times a year where I'll do a whole kind of outing with somebody. Um, it's a lot easier to, to be involved with somebody's place of work. So I like to visit the men of our church where they work, get lunch with them there, you know, like, or, or pick them up just to kind of get, get involved with them in that way. So breakfast or lunch, that's three or four times a week with, with various people. Um, but you mentioned, you know, do you talk to Carrie Ann about it? Yes, definitely. Now that, you know, we're expecting our third child in March, um, uh, proportion of time spent with clients versus family has definitely changed from just six years ago, um, from three years ago. And that's fine. Um, and the church is real uh, respectful of that. Um, the other great thing is finding stuff you can do together as a family. So there's there's a couple of families at church that that um, they're related. They have like a family night every Thursday with their families. And they invite us over every once in a while to, to their thing. And so like we get to bring our kids. They play with their kids and grandkids and stuff. But there we are doing life with them. They're not doing life with us. We're doing life with them going into their home. They have the cousins over and everything. But because we're, you know, I'm their pastor and it's pastor's family, they say, well, why don't you join us sometime? Which feels, it, it, it's a real honor, right? We know that this isn't something that everybody else is getting invited to. But um, we don't just say, oh, no, no, you guys have your family. We say, no, let's take them up on that. Like that's, that's, an, that's an important way for us to, as an entire family, be exposed to what their life is like and, and to share that with them. And so, yeah, finding ways that we as a family can do that is, is great too. I think you've kind of touched on this, but I'm just going to maybe draw it out a little bit. Um, the other thing I remember from the dinner we had uh, at the church planter conference, when I was able to sit with you and Carrie Ann is something that, that struck me was you guys were very, you, I, I would not have known from that evening that you are introverts. Um, you struck me as very, <laughs> both very engaged and you were very engaged in kind of cultural things. We had some spirited, uh, conversation about TV shows and music and things like that. I think, I think when we all sat down mm. at the table, there's a couple other pastors and their wives and me and you guys. And, and your first question wasn't like, what are you reading? It was like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? <laughs> and I appreciated that maybe says, you know, something about me too, in terms of that dynamic. But I just wondered you and Carrie Ann seem, you know, I'll just put it this way. You seem very normal. You seem like normal folks. You seem like you know what's kind of going on in the world and you kind of enjoy some of that stuff and and you enjoy those different <laughs> dynamics. And I just kind of wondered, you know, sometimes with um, thinking about meeting new people and outreach and discipling people, sometimes we get normal and we don't get great theology. And sometimes we get great theology and we don't have social graces and things like that. How does that dynamic of your lives and the things you're interested in play out with meeting new people and making connections? Um, I don't think you're entirely off base um, in terms of our interest in um, uh, culture. Um, I don't know about us being normal. You might be completely off base with that. But is there a greater compliment that a Reformed pastor can get than that he's normal? But I'll leave that to other people to decide. Um so, you know, what's at, what's at play there is Carrie Ann and I both were separately um, at separate universities, not knowing we were both film majors. 
um, which is, you know, part of our, our meet cute there. There's another movie reference for, you, <laughs> you know, is that when we met, it's like, Oh, you're a film major too. Oh, wow. Um, so I studied at temple. I didn't graduate with a film degree. I, I did transfer, um, or change majors. I mean, uh, can I give you some OP trivia, sure. Brad? Here's, here's a trivia question for your listeners can write in, see if they win a prize or something. Uh, do you know the, uh, the other, um, OP ordained elder who also went to Temple University in Philadelphia and studied film. Boy, three decades apart, probably maybe maybe more. Boy, I've got nothing in mind. Yeah, Daryl Hart, DG Hart. Wow, that would not have been my guess. Yeah, film it. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, when I'm when I'm he's in my presbytery here in Michigan, and so when I met him at my ordination exam, he mentioned that to me. I was like, no way, you know. And, um, and we both take an interest in reformed liturgy, uh, li- um, liturgy and, and liturgic. So I don't know if that's connected either, but, um, so yeah, we love movies, uh, the cruises, we love movies and we love good television shows. We definitely talk to people about that and, and connect with people over that. Um, a couple moved to the church, to the area, I mean, and, uh, a show that we both liked was premiering its next season or whatever. And like, that was part of our do life with us kind of thing to say, Hey, we're going to have a viewing party and, and, you know, put up some popcorn stuff. And so this was like, they just moved. Like, it's not like they were members yet. This is part of the come get to know us thing, you know, and came over for that. And I do think there's probably an importance to that. People recognizing that, um, <laughs> yeah, you're, Oh, look, the pastor's normal. Um, and that you don't need to like TV to be normal, but just showing people like come over and spend time with us and see that, you know, there's this, what is it? There's this separation between automatically, I think, between clergy and laity that people, you know, it's kind of like a holdover maybe from medieval times, thinking that there's some um, added grace that they're, you know, they're just in a different echelon of spiritual. No, it's not like that. We're just normal people. I, you know, we put our pants on the same way as everybody else, one leg at a time, <laughs> and we like TV shows. So um, that and and music. I do. I do like music. I like to connect with people over what they're listening to. Um, but I like to connect with people over what what they like. So I mean, not, not to kind of keep coming back to that, but I do try to talk to the, the the guys in our congregation who like hunting about hunting, even though I don't get it. <laughs> I I would not do it unless they invited me and brought me along. But um, I'm not going to force them to talk about my hobbies, right? And this is just. I mean, this isn't pastoring. 101. This is being a human in society 101. People like it when they are asked questions about themselves. We have all been in a situation where we're at a dinner with somebody or at a lunch and and the the person that we're with didn't ask us a single question about ourselves, right? And a lot of times people aren't like they're not intentionally self-absorbed or anything like that, but it's just kind of like a, a social yeah, like a social etiquette that some people just haven't been trained in or whatever. And they just but it leaves it right. It leaves an impression. You walk away thinking, "Man, that that person never once asked me anything. I was extracting information the whole conversation." So this is just what it means to be a normal human being in society. Um, be interested in other people, and yes, I think pastors especially could heed that exhortation because you know, especially in the reformed world, by default, many of us like you know the dead people on our shelves that we're reading their books more than we like the living people in the pew in front of us. So. Just, yeah, just be interested in what they're interested in. Um, and I, I have I have gone to the movies with people in my, my um, actually for my 
birthday one year, Carrie Ann rented out the, a local movie theater. We could rent out the, the whole theater and we watched Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, and and we invited, you know, a dozen people from church or so. It's, it's just like, it's just cool. It's fun. And, and um, it's good. I'm not saying, you know, there certainly is supposed to be, you know, there's a, a level of, I, you know, I still am their pastor. And that can, yeah, that can be difficult at times, knowing where that line is. Um, but while I want people to know I'm their pastor, I also want them to know, um, you know, I'm their brother, I'm their friend, uh, I'm, I'm just an average Joe like they are too. Yeah, that's good. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.